my guess is that um, whenever you have uh, read, um, you know, the Gospels, that you've been, you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, um, my guess is that you have come across some very hard sayings of Jesus. Um, some of those sayings are hard because, listen, frankly, they're difficult to understand. Others are hard because the demands um, that they make are hard for us to accept. And still others, <laughs> other sayings of Jesus are hard because, to be honest, they are difficult for us to follow. Um, this morning we come to one of those sayings um, of Jesus out of the Gospel of Matthew that involves, I want to suggest, all three of those pieces. So I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 this morning. Matthew chapter 25. Now, if you've been with us over the past month, uh, we have been talking about doing good. That's our, our series title, Doing Good. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about the fact that the, the reality of God's kingdom, that God's kingdom has come and we have been given the assignment as those um, who are in partnership with him uh, to help bring about God's kingdom on this earth uh, by doing good. Last Sunday, Pastor Jay talked about how uh, we are to treat people that we encounter along the way. Um, uh, we are to treat them with love and mercy uh, of Jesus in order to bless them, to do good. This morning, we take a look at a completely different challenge for us, and that is to do good for the least of these. Look with me, Matthew chapter 25 I'm going to read the passage starting in verse 31. Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, this is Jesus speaking. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these of my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. 
then they will also say, answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or, or thirsty or a stranger or naked or, or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, before we get into this uh, parable, um, uh, I first of all need to set it into its context, okay? Um, right before this chapter, in Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus is sitting uh, on the Mount of Olives, uh, when his disciples come to him and, and they ask him, they ask him uh, about the end of the age and uh, when he will return. And so uh, Jesus begins to tell them uh, a series of different stories in, in Matthew chapter 24 and, and Matthew chapter 25, um, giving descriptions of what it will be like and uh, you know, what it will be like when he returns. The parable of the sheep and goats that we just, we just read is the last story of this whole sequence. In fact, it's the final story that Jesus tells in Matthew's gospel before he is crucified. In actuality, when you read this story, it's both a parable and a prophecy. Um, like a prophecy, it speaks to an actual event that will take place in the future. But like a parable, it uses this imaginative uh, metaphor, uh, a picture, if you would, uh, to describe that event. Now, the event, of course, that it's describing is the final judgment uh, at the end of the age. The Bible teaches that when human history has run its course, God will bring all things to an end with the return of his son. On that day, everything in heaven and in earth will be set right, including the final judgment of, of uh, human beings, who will then spend eternity with God or eternity without God, depending on the choices that they have made in this life. Now, before you panic <laughs> about judgment... Um, let me remind you that God's judgment for the Christ follower is an encouragement. It's positive. Um, it provides hope that things are, uh, things are wrong with our world right now will eventually be set right. It provides another reason for us um, as to why we can forgive others. Um, I mean, we don't have to hold on to all those horrible things that have been done to us with this, with this death grip uh, so we can get our pound of flesh, you know? No, instead, we can let go. Knowing that one day, whoever <laughs> hurt us will face God. Back to Jesus' picture here out of uh, Matthew 25. All the nations of the world, catch this, all the nations of the world are gathered around and before Jesus and some of his angels, okay? Jesus is the judge and he separates the people just like a, a shepherd separates, you know, the, the sheep from the goats. Now, I'm not exactly sure why uh, Jesus uses this image of, of uh, sheep and goats. It might be that he was reflecting back on David's psalm, you know, Psalm 23, 
Um, but more likely, what Jesus was doing was he was picturing the shepherd at the end of the day, and as nightfall began, one of the tasks of the shepherd was to separate the sheep and the goats. And that's what Jesus does when he tells his stories, right? Um, he uses pictures that his hearers will uh, relate to, that, that they're familiar with. An image that they would understand. My guess is, if Jesus were speaking to you and I today, that uh, he might use the metaphor of a manufacturer separating the first from the seconds. Or uh, a grocer separating the, uh, the good fruit from the bad fruit, from the rotten fruit. <laughs> so who is it that will be judged? Well, all of us, Jesus says. Churchgoers, non-churchgoers, Christians, Jews, Muslims, people of every religion, uh, and, and, and those who have no religion. <laughs> According to Jesus, whatever your belief system, whatever your philosophy of life, everyone will be judged. The sheep in this parable, they represent the, the righteous, those who enjoy the right standing with God and will spend eternity with God in his kingdom. The goats represent those who, who don't belong to God and therefore will spend eternity apart from God. And that brings us to the disturbing message of, of this parable, the thing that makes this such a hard saying. It's the fact that Jesus seems to be making this, uh, uh, making a determination, saying that he, there's a determination as to who gets into the kingdom and it will be based upon how we respond to the least of these. So it brings up two questions that we need to answer. First one is this, who is the least of these? And the second is, what does God expect of us? The traditional understanding of who the least of these is simply refers to, uh, the traditional understanding, it refers to the poor and the needy in the world. That's certainly the most straightforward um, reading of this text. And it's uh, certainly consistent with Jesus' concern for uh, the poor throughout the Gospels. It was also uh, consistent with, uh, you know, people who, who uh, held that belief, that understanding, like uh, St. Francis of Assisi or, or, or Mother Teresa. That's the way they understood it. But there's some commentators more recently that have challenged that interpretation, and they've argued that um, Jesus is referring specifically to his followers who are poor and needy. And in particular, those who are poor and needy because of their loyalty to Jesus. Um, they'll point out that Jesus usually uses that word brethren or brothers to describe disciples and also that Jesus says, you have done it unto me because they are his representatives. Now, whichever interpretation that you land on, and I tend to favor the more traditional uh, understanding, it's it's clear that Jesus has in mind people who, for one reason or another, are uh, needy and vulnerable. The least of these are the hungry. Richard Stearns, in his book, The Hole in Our Gospel, tells us that one out of every seven 
people in the world don't have enough to eat. One out of four children in developing countries are underweight. And that nine million people a year die of hunger or related causes. That hunger leads to all kinds of uh, other problems. I mean, when you're hungry, you can't work. You, you can't go to school. You, you can't play. Your, your, your body can't fight diseases. Uh, you can't bear and raise healthy children. The least of these are the thirsty. Imagine waking up every day um, with no water for drinking or, or, or cooking or even washing. Becky and I have uh, supported a young couple um, who are on the mission field over in Kenya. They're ministering to a group, uh, really kind of an outcast group there in Kenya, who in reality they have no water that's easily accessible. So what they have to do is they have to transport water on these, uh, through these big uh, jugs, these big blue um, containers on bicycles to these different villages, to these small little communities so people can have water. It was interesting, last year one of those uh, communities was able to dig a well for some fresh water. <laughs> and, and they videotaped this and uh, we were able to watch it. it just a huge celebration that took place because they had water. The least of these are the materially poor. Those who Jesus is referring to, um, he, those are the ones who Jesus referred to when he says, I, um, I needed clothes, materially poor. The average American um, lives on about $100 per day. A billion people in the world live on less than $1 a day. Clothes are just the beginning of what they need. There's a, a list of other things that they need. They are materially poor. The least of these are the sick. In the United States and Europe, two out of every 1,000 children die before their fifth birthday, they say. In Africa, 165 of every 1,000 children won't make it to their fifth birthday. Malaria and TB and AIDS are the big three. And if you were to take all the children who have been orphaned because of AIDS and have them hold hands together, the chain of children would stretch from New York to L.A. five different times. These are the least of these. <laughs> the hungry, the thirsty, the materially poor, the sick. And I haven't even gotten to the refugees and the prisoners. And listen, I don't think Jesus... It's just giving us a complete list of those who fall into this category of least of these here. I mean, if you think a moment, you could probably add some other uh, people into this list. How about new immigrants? How about those who are hungry or are, are hurting or, or lonely or, or discouraged? These are the kind of people Jesus is talking about, the most needy and vulnerable, vulnerable people in the world. And I got to tell you, we don't have to travel across the globe. We don't have to travel over the border to find these people. They're right here. They're in our city. They're in our suburbs. 
They're across the street. The second question then we need to ask is, then what does God expect of us as Christ followers? I would suggest that God expects us to feel what he feels for the needy and vulnerable. If you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, (laughs) a little disturbed by the statistics and the images that I've mentioned already this morning, I want to tell you, that's good. We should feel uncomfortable and disturbed and angered. I mean, because that's how Jesus felt. How many times in the gospel do we read that Jesus was moved by compassion? How many times do we see him stop what he's doing and relieve someone else's suffering? How many times is he disturbed by the exploitation and neglect of people that have been created in the image of God? And I got to tell you, Jesus still feels that way today. When Jesus refers to these brothers and sisters of mine, He's expressing his identification with the needy and the vulnerable. And remember, Jesus was in that stage. Um, He was homeless at the time of his birth. He began his life as this this refugee chased from his own country by a baby-killing tyrant. (laughs) He grew up in a working-class family. And as an adult, he had no place to lay his head. He was rejected by his own people, abandoned by his followers, brutally beaten by sadistic soldiers, executed for crimes that he didn't commit, and was buried in a borrowed tomb. Jesus knows what it means to be needy and and vulnerable. So he feels a, a kinship with them. And he wants you and I to feel it as well. But we need to do more than just feel for people, right? We need to do something in order to help them. I mean, that's the second thing that I think God expects of us. To feel what Jesus feels for the needy and vulnerable and then do something about it. I mean, the righteous in this story, to catch this, the righteous in this story were commended because they did something. I mean, they fed somebody, they, they helped someone, they, 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 they gave someone something to drink, they, they welcomed a stranger into their lives, they put clothes on someone's back, they took care of someone who was sick, they visited someone who was locked up. And I want you to notice here, they, they didn't do everything They did something. They didn't help everyone. They helped someone. They didn't solve um, the world hunger problem or or, or rid the world of disease or get all the, the, the homeless off the streets. They did what they could, where they were, with what they had. They did little unspectacular, unknown acts of kindness. And that's what God asks us to do. And that brings up another question. 
Another question, in fact, I find it even more disturbing than, than the first question uh, that comes out of this parable. And that is, why is everyone in this parable, in this story, so surprised by this king? <laughs> I mean, he surprises the goats. Can you imagine what that scene must have looked like? You know, I, I kind of picture it as being pretty chaotic. And I feel sorry for the angels that have to explain um, the king's decision that they're goats. <laughs> Um, I picture this large crowd, you know, gathering maybe outside a, a huge stadium like the U.S. Bank Stadium, you know, waiting to get in, or, or a large crowd uh, waiting outside of Buckingham Palace um, to see the king. You know, people pushing and shoving and, and trying to get the best position um, that they can. And I, I can imagine Jesus and his angels coming out on that balcony one of the angels stands up and he, and he blows the trumpet and the crowd grows quiet. And the second angel stands up and he, he says, uh, this is the judgment of the sheep and the goats. Sheep, you go to the king's right. Goats, you go to the king's left. And I figure that those goats, those who don't know Christ, some of my neighbors, some of my Friends who don't have a relationship with the king, they'll be surprised. I can just hear one of them asking, what do you mean we're goats? Why are we having, being in, in, in that group off to the left? Angel would begin to try to explain. Well, the king was hungry and you, you didn't feed him. The, the king was thirsty and you didn't give him anything to drink. He, the king was a stranger, and, and you didn't welcome him. He, he needed clothes, and, and you didn't clothe him. He was sick, and, and he was in prison, and you didn't visit him. And another of those goats would, would respond, you've got to be kidding me. I, I never saw the king. And the angel would try to explain um, that they didn't help the king, that they, that, that they didn't help the least of these, the poor and the needy, the, the ones that the king identifies with. At that point, I can imagine one of my neighbors, you know, here in Minneapolis, <laughs> standing up and, and, and chiming in, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh, listen, I live in Minneapolis. Um, you don't know the city of Minneapolis these days. Uh, I mean, you don't go walking around downtown by yourself at night, and you certainly don't take in strangers. I mean, because they could rob you, or they could, they could, I mean, steal your car. I mean, you don't know who to trust. You have to be extra careful these days who you help out, because, listen, it gets you killed. And then another of uh, those neighbors would respond, yeah, by the way, I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you, I, I've done some good things in my life. I've given to local charities. I'm really quite, quite generous. I've, I've served the local uh, food shelves. In fact, I've spent some time down at uh, Feed My Starving Children. I've handed out money to people on the street corners. I, I've done good things. Now, I imagine, the more I think about it, <laughs> whoever that angel is, I feel sorry for him because it's a tough assignment that they've been given to try to explain to the, these goats, to these friends and neighbors of mine, why they're goats. Because they'll be surprised, the goats will. 
Surprised that they're not included with the sheep. Surprised that they ever saw the king. Surprised that what they thought counted didn't. But the goats are not the only one surprised. You notice that in this story? It's even more shocking, I think, that we find that the sheep are equally surprised. In fact, look with me back up in 37. Verse 37. Look at the sheep's response. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And, and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and, and clothe you? And, and Lord, hey, hey, Lord, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? <laughs> I mean, the sheep, you see this? They're as confused as the goats. Um, so this makes me wonder. Why do the sheep seem so surprised? I want to suggest to you it's because they don't remember helping the king. See, those who belong to the king, those who have allowed him to do this deep work in their lives, those who have been blessed by the king will be characterized not only by unnoticed acts of mercy but also by little unremembered acts of mercy and love. Unremembered acts of kindness and love that that flow from their inner nature, which has been touched by God, flows from the inner nature as naturally as wool comes from the back of sheep. They care for the poor and needy, the hurting and lonely around them because Because those are the ones that Jesus identifies with. They love them because that's what Jesus, our king, does. But now, let me be clear on this. I want to make sure you understand this. This story is not telling us that you are saved by your good deeds. Jesus is not saying that if you uh, drop some coins in the charity box on the, uh, on the checkout counter there at Lunds and Byerly's that, uh, you know, you're going to get to go to heaven. Or if you volunteer at some food shelves or other wonderful organizations that uh, necessarily demonstrates that you belong to Christ. Jesus is not saying that as long as we are generous to the poor and needy, then, hey, hey, we get into the kingdom. That's not what he's saying. I mean, we know from the rest of Scripture, right, that we are saved by virtue of our relationship to Christ, by trusting him to forgive us of our sins, uh, to make us new people. Jesus himself, in fact, said that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. One of the reasons this is such a hard saying, I think, is because Jesus is telling us that true followers of Jesus will feel what Jesus feels and do what Jesus does. Um, if we don't, then we have to ask ourselves honestly if we really have believed. Or as James, the brother of Jesus, puts it, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have faith but have no deeds? Can such faith save them? See, Jesus' challenge 
in this parable is for us who are citizens of God's kingdom is to care for the needy who have been made in the image of God. And it doesn't have to be some spectacular acts of mercy, but routine, day-to-day, unnoticed, and unremembered acts of kindness that meets the needs of others. One of the things we talk about around here at First Free is our extraordinary norms. Um, If we're becoming Christ-centered and Christ-sent disciples, then we should see evidence of that in our lives, right? What we consider normal (laughs) as Christ followers, as Christ-centered followers, should be different than what is normal (laughs) out in the world. Our actions in our lives should be, in that sense, extraordinary in comparison to the world around us. And one of those extraordinary norms that we talk about is that we should be a church where it is normal for us to recognize and respond to the needs of others in tangible ways. That's Jesus' challenge for all of us here this morning. That's what Jesus is challenging us to do, to live out in this parable. I want you to know, I've been amazed over the years at the good deeds, at the wonderful ways that this church has responded to the needs of of others around them. Um, Just yesterday, in fact, yesterday morning, uh, Fatamata, a, a woman who, I'm not sure if you're all familiar with, a woman who has lived across the street in one of our houses that we have used for refugees and to help minister to them. She's lived across the street for five years. She came in kind of in a homeless situation. Um, and yesterday, there's a whole group of people here from this church that were helped her move out of her home to a brand new place that she was able to acquire down in Bloomington. Incredible. I mean, there have been five years of of walking with her and ministering to her and helping her out in so many different ways. Her and her three boys, and now we're able to, to help her get into a new place. And while you have been ministering to her, the neighbors around the church have watched and... We've been able to minister to those neighbors. And you've done that all in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to commend you for it. Beautiful thing to watch. And I got to tell you, just as a, just as a, a, something I'm excited to uh, anticipate, our outreach Sunday in the last Sunday of February, I'm hoping that you're going to be able to hear more about Fatimata's story and just be able to celebrate again what God has done. See, Jesus' hard question for us is this. What kind of person are you? Are you a person characterized by the love and mercy evidenced in Jesus' kingdom, which is what faith is all about? Or are you one characterized by no concern for those in need? And listen, if you're anything like me... um, You can't read this parable of Jesus. You can't read these words of Jesus and not feel convicted and challenged to do more. I don't know what the Lord might 
be asking us to do as a congregation this next year? I don't know what God might be asking you through his Holy Spirit for you to do in this next month, but let me tell you, it all begins with an awareness. We're not saved by caring for the poor, but caring for the poor is a mark of true faith. Some years ago, a well-known worship leader and songwriter um, got an opportunity to go visit Mother Teresa. Go visit Mother Teresa and her missionaries of, of charity in Calcutta. He presented her, this worship leader presented her with a cassette of his worship music and told her all about the explosion of worship that was taking place in the, in the church, universal church. Mother Teresa seemed unimpressed. In fact, she gave back the cassettes saying they didn't have any music players <laughs> and they rarely sang. What do you do then, this worship leader asks. Uh, I mean, how, how do you worship? And that's when Mother Teresa's eyes brightened up. Jesus has told us how to love and worship him, she said. And then she quoted these words from Matthew 25. When you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. And then she said, if you really want to love and worship God, pour out your love on the needy. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love for all of us. We thank you for especially your love for those who are vulnerable and needy. And Lord, might our eyes be open to see them all around us, see them in our daily lives, not walk by them, but see them, and then, Lord, <laughs> might we be able to help them do something, minister to them, encourage them. God, might your Holy Spirit just guide and direct us as we seek to do good for your name's sake, for your glory. In your son's precious and holy name, we pray these things. Amen.